Hilcha Shabbos, Perk Chafei Alech Aleph. The Ramah continues his discussion about Mutza. Yesh Klish Amlachtel Hetty have some Kalim that the primary purpose of them is to do something which is permitted on Shabbos to do. Vehua Klish Amutel Asis Lebe Shabbos Dovish Nas Lebe Shabchel. That is a, a vessel that is permitted to use on Shabbos for the same purpose which is used during the week. Again, for example, a cup to drink from, a car lechaba, a plate to eat out of, a sack lechaba, a bus of a pass, a knife with which to cut meat or bread, a of tzayim by a or a like a hatchet to crack open nuts, a nutcracker, uh, and things like that. Those are all things which are allowed to be done on Shabbos as they are during the week. So you have came with the primary purpose is to do something which that activity is Asra on Shabbos. So who provide that, that is Shabbos It's forbidden to do on Shabbos whatever activity that thing is designed to do. For example, a grinder or a mill to grind uh, grain. Grinding grain is forbidden on Shabbos, regardless of what method or tool you use. This tool called the grinder is designed to engage in this forbidden activity. She also on Shabbos you're not allowed to grind or crush. Any clue whose primary purpose is a permitted activity, whether it was made of wood, or earthenware, or even of stone, or metal, it may be moved on Shabbos. Whether you're doing it for the purpose of the keli, to protect the keli from being stolen, for example, if you're moving it to, to use the purpose of the keli, so here's the grinder, but I want to move the grinder so I can use the counter space or the floor space for something else, to sit here or to put something here. Or you, you want to use the, the item for something. So you have a screwdriver. You want to... Uh, sorry, the screwdriver is not a good example. You have a, a, a knife. You want to use the knife for whatever purpose it is. To cut something. Uh, any kli, which is... Uh, um, so, I'm sorry, I gave an example of a grinder before. It's not a good example. We're talking about things over here which are allowed to be moved on Shabbos. So those things which are allowed to, excuse me, allowed to be allowed to be done on Shabbos, whatever activity they're designed for. So so plates, cups, forks, knives, any of these things that their activity is allowed to be done on Shabbos, you can move it for all three purposes, whether it's to protect the, the item, whether it's to use its location, or to use the item itself for something. Okay, the chalk is machli iser, and equally, however, that its primary purpose is to do something which is forbidden. Bein shal yishal whether it's made of wood, bein shal charetz, whether it's made of earthenware, bein shal avani worship stone, yishal matachas or of metal, mutlatav b'shabbos, you'll have to move it on Shabbos, bein tzach gufei, whether you're doing it for the usage of the of the item, to use it for something, bein tzach chemit, or you want to use its place, its 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 location. However, if you, so for example, if a screwdriver, you want to use the screwdriver to, to poke in a cork into the into a bottle of wine, for example. So you can't use a screwdriver to screw in screws on Shabbos, obviously, that's biblically forbidden. But the user for this situation, you may do so. However, if you are using it, if you're moving it for the benefit of the Kayla to prevent, prevent it from getting stolen or, or ruined, you may not. Kayla, for example. You're allowed to move a plate of wood in order to eat with the plate or to sit where the plate is. The plate's on your chair. You want to move the plate out of the way so you can sit down. Or, is that, that's an example of a tzedach uh, uh, or it should not get stolen. Right, Your plate is outside. You want to bring it inside so no one steals it. This is an example of uh, pr- protecting the item. It's for its, for its own benefit. The item's benefit. Similarly, if you're carrying it in front of, in, uh, uh, inside, when the sun gets hot, so it should not dry out or crack. Or it should, or should not get uh, uh, waterlogged and deteriorate. 
In that case, you're moving it for the purpose of the item, and you're allowed to, because the item is designed to do something, which is uh, allowed to do on Shabbos, you're allowed to do on Shabbos, uh, a plate to eat from is an activity that's permitted, therefore, you're allowed to move this item for all these examples. Now, you're allowed to move a miller or a grinder, which is something that its activity is designed to do something not allowed on Shabbos, you're allowed to move it, the Shabbat to use it to crack nuts, allow us to use it as a stepping stool to go up onto a, a high bed. That's an example of a for using the item to do something, to crack open nuts, or to sit in its place. Or, for example, the example I gave earlier, using a screwdriver to, uh, to, to poke the cork into a bottle of wine. You're not allowed to move it so it should not, get, it should not break. Nor should that, that should not get stolen. Similarly, applies all situations. So, moving a kli, shimalachta, yes, sir, is not allowed. So, if you left your hammer outside on before Shabbos and Shabbos comes, then uh, you're not allowed to bring it inside just for the sake of protecting it. Anything which is not a keli, it's not a keli. A keli in this context means an item that's designed, it's not raw material, it has a functional purpose. An active purpose. You can have him and uh, so so if it's not if it's not a keli though, like avonim stones or moyes or money, which is just representative, kanim rods or curious and beams or gates and things like that. Also taslon are allowed, not allowed to be moved. They are called muktza. Even a large stone or a large beam. She he can tell us for somebody other, even though you have to have ten people to carry it. If it's considered to be a keli, uh, you may move it, even though it's very large. Dalsas abayis, the doors of a house, even though they're considered to be utensils, however, they're not designated for use. They're, the assumption is, is that they are going to, so to speak, stay in their place and not be uh, uh, used for any other purpose. If they become detached, even on Shabbos, you may not move them. Now, the words even on Shabbos are interesting because you would think it's only because it becomes attached on Shabbos. If it becomes it attached before Shabbos, then maybe a different conversation. So what I'm presumably means is that that uh, that doors that were removed from the from the doorway before Shabbos but were not prepared for another purpose obviously may not be used on Shabbos. But even doors that are removed on Shabbos and had been used on the Shabbos as doors still may not uh, be moved if, the, if, the, if, the, if they become removed on Shabbos. That's the basic shot. So, V'chein ha'ofer v'achel, dirt or sand, v'ameis, or a dead person, in mezizin eisim kaiman, they may not be moved from their place, they're considered to be non-kalim, and ha'mokto. Ben shmer nechai, a baby who's alive, who was born after eight months, hayo ke'evn, it's like a stone, but also, they may not move him because the assumption is is that if he's born after eight months, he can't survive, and therefore, unless he lives thirty days, the assumption is he's like a dead, he's like a corpse. Uh, because nowadays, or not nowadays, but uh, uh, after the times of the Gemara, became less clear exactly what month the baby was born. So uh, this became, people became this Allah became more lenient. Today, where technology allows us to uh, have babies survive, even. Those who are born very prematurely, uh, eight months or, or earlier, then obviously halacha changes. The baby is not considered mukta uh, because circumstantially they will not die. This is similar to the concept where it says elsewhere that raw fish is mukta because there's nothing to do with it on Shabbos. You can't 
do anything with it because you can't eat it and you can't cook it. And therefore, raw fish and raw meat are mukta. Today, where raw fish is something that people eat normally and sushi, etc., so their raw fish is no longer mukta. You're allowed to carry a keli even if you're not doing it for the purpose of what it's originally used for, meant to be used for. But you're going to rather do something which is not meant for its normal use. So for example, is a person allowed to take a hammer to crack open nuts, a card or a hatchet to cut open, open a cake of figs, zimgeda, or a saw, the gutter bud, gavina to cut cheese. Magrefer or rake, ligrefer by segregers to collect dried figs, esarachas, vesamazleg, or winnowing shovel or pitchfork, uh, to use that for the purposes of, to use it to feed a child, which is a very, obviously a very crude way of using uh, feeding a child, but you may do so if you choose to. As a kaish, a spindle, vesakirker, or a, uh, a shuttle, which is uh, a weaver shuttle, which is meant to, something you weave with, as a weaving tool. Um, to pierce something with it, machat uh, shalsakoyin or a, a needle of a sack maker, liftech bayasadelos to pick a lock with, vesemachteshes or a millstone, they should like to sit on it. The chayin kolitzim says this applies in all situations using a kli, which is designed for something that that the, an activity which is not allowed on Shabbos, biblically forbidden on Shabbos, but you're using that item. Uh, for something which is not intended, as long as it's not as long as it's not forbidden on Shabbos, that may be done. Again, the example before about using a screwdriver to poke a cork into a wine bottle. A person is allowed to carry a needle, uh, a hand needle, a sewing needle that is not broken in order to take out a splinter. Uh, taking out a splinter on Shabbos, going to Ramam is allowed. And uh, even though a needle is used for a activity, it's designed for an activity, namely sewing, which is forbidden on Shabbos, it may be moved if you're using it for, for, for permitted activities, such as removing a splinter. If, however, its head, uh, excuse me, if, if uh, the side, the end where, which has a hole in it, was removed, or if the sharp part was cracked off, one of the sides cracked off, you may not move it, because at that point, it's not considered a keli, it's broken, it's just, it's just a, it's a raw metal material, which is mokta. If it was um, not pierced, in the sense that it was, uh, it was it was a raw material in the state that it was in the middle of being fashioned, it had not yet been pierced, in that case, it's not mukta. Because sometimes a, a needle which uh, which is meant to be designed with a hole is left without a hole, and uh, is uh, left as a, 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 a just a needle a pin without 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 a hole just just as a pin. Uh, however, if it's been designed with a uh, hole and a sharp point, and the part with the hole cracks off, that's considered to be raw metal material in his mukta test. Any utensil, any item that you're very concerned about, its value going down. For example, items which are designated for for selling. Things are very expensive. They're not meant for selling, but they're very expensive. You're very worried about them going down in value. They are considered muktz on Shabbos. They are designated set aside in the sense that muktz means set aside. So they are removed from your conscious awareness of using on Shabbos. If you sell challah knives, for example, you don't want them to get ruined or go down in value, get damaged, because you can't sell them. Or if you have a very expensive, uh, very delicate, uh, rare uh, um, uh, pen, 
then you don't use it uh, just randomly because you're worried about it going down in value. Also, the Talmud Shabbos differs to us to move them on Shabbos. Or better example is, let's say, a shechita knife. A shechita knife, you're very concerned about it getting damaged. You don't use it on Shabbos. It's mukta on Shabbos for any purpose, even to cut bread. It's called mukta because of financial loss. You're going, for example, a masar agodo, a large saw, the yosin shal machresha, a the pointy part of a plow, these are all uh, um, either delicate or expensive things that you're very concerned about uh, using them. You would never just take them and use them for a different purpose because you're very careful with them. A butcher's knife. A leather worker's knife. A carpenter's, uh, flat, a carpenter's plane. A perfumer's crushing device. And anything else of that nature. There's a, all, those all go in that category. So now, what can you do with, uh, do or not do with these things? So, any keli that is mukta because it's designed to use, uh, excuse me, any keli that an actual iser, not that it's used for an iser purpose necessarily, or only, but the actual prohibition happened, which makes it uh, mukta, also tatla may not be moved on Shabbos. Again, for example, ner a lamp, with which you uh, lit the a fire on Shabbos, or the candelabra in which the lamp was sitting, or a table upon which money was left before Shabbos on purpose, even though the candle went out eventually, or the money fell off, you may not move the candelabra, you may not move the table, because any item that was not allowed to be moved because of mukta. When Shabbos started, Ben Hashmashes refers to the time between sunset and nightfall. That's a letter to call Shabbos Kula, may not move the entire Shabbos. Even though essentially the very thing which caused the item to be prohibited, be prohibited, be prohibited is no longer present. However, Kaili, which is Mukta because it's repulsive, he's going there, Yashun, shall naft. A used lamp of kerosene that has a very bad smell, or it's uh, the. Um, or a uh, uh, chamber pot with which a person goes to the bathroom may be moved on Shabbos if there is a requirement for such and again exactly the situation as to when you, when you can move what under what circumstances we will uh, delineate um, so so far that I'm talked about a regular like a fork or a spoon or a plate like a hammer or a screwdriver then we talked about a kli uh, um, a muktzah kiss because it's very expensive, and now we're talking about a muktzah machmas iser, like a uh, a lamp, and now and now finally we talked about muktzah machmas mius. Lachin beis kolakim l'tolam b'shabbos nishpokah dalasein any kedi which may be moved on Shabbos, that has a door, and the door fell off. For example, the, the doors of a box or a chest or a cabinet. Ben spoke of a Shabbos, whether they, they, it came off on Shabbos, Ben spoke of a Shabbos, or the door came off before Shabbos, those doors may, may be moved on Shabbos, unlike a door that's attached to something which is a part of the ground, like a house. Or excuse me, a door attached to something which is attached to the house, like, like, a, like a, a, a door attached to something which is attached to the ground, such as a house. All the kalim which are maybe moved on Shabbos are that broke. 
so that broke uh, that, that 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 not 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 just that they became detached from their from the from the the chest, but that the door actually broke. Bein kaim shabbos, bein shabbos, whether the the door broke before on Shabbos, shevenu talim, the broken pieces are allowed to be moved. Who provides you shevenu esim yimlachten? As long as the broken pieces can still do a malacha, or perhaps translated as their original malacha. Case of example, Shiva the broken pieces of an eating trough. and they can be used to cover the opening of a jug. So you see here that I was talking about uh doesn't have to do the original malacha, you can't use it anymore to feed the animals, but you can use it to um uh, another useful purpose, like like covering uh, covering the a barrel. Shivitz broken pieces of glass, the chasabenas piapach to cover the 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 opening of a smaller jug. The same applies illustrations. If however the broken pieces have no use, then they're forbidden to be used. They're considered raw material, and like a stone or a coin, are completely muktza. All covers of utensils may be carried on Shabbos. Who provides they have somewhat of a keli status, meaning it has to have been used as a cover before at least once before Shabbos. If you have a keli which is attached to the ground, for example, a barrel that is attached to the earth, um, or perhaps drama means it's completely embedded in the earth and just the top sticks out. If the cover has a handle, you may move the cover. If there's no handle, you cannot move the cover. Coverings that cover the ground, uh, like for example, the cover of a pothole. Uh, excuse me, of, of, of a manhole. You're going to various in the cover, like, you know, um, pits or grooves in the ground. The cover may not be moved on Shabbos. Unless it has a handle. If it has no handle, it's considered just a raw piece of material. The covering of an oven. Even though it has no handle, that may be moved on Shabbos. Um... It's considered keli since the oven protrudes from the ground. It's very different than a pit. two things. One is forbidden to move on Shabbos. One may be moved on Shabbos. They're next to each other. One on top of each other. One inside each other. If you move one, you move the other. If you need the thing which may be, which may be moved on Shabbos, the thing which is not muktzah, you may move it. Even though it's going to also cause the forbidden thing, the muktzah thing to be moved as well. If you need to carry or move the forbidden thing, then you should not do so. You can't move the, the non-mukta item in order to be able to move the mukta item. That's not allowed. So if you want to move the permitted thing, that's fine. And it's okay, even though it's going to end up moving the... Uh, excuse me. If you want to move the non-mukta thing, it's fine, even though you're going to end up moving the mukta thing. But if you want to move the mukta thing, to use the non-mukta thing as a way to move it is not allowed. Tezvav, Ketzah. If you have a fig buried in straw, and a cake is lying upon coals. Straw is mukta because it's usually used for firewood in times of the Gemara. And coals are mukta as well, of course, on Shabbos. Because any and you can't be, nothing can be done with them. If they move, you might extinguish them. You can stick into them a, uh, um, a spindle or a weaver shuttle. Uh, and take the, and take the cake or take the fig. Even though it's going to cause the straw or the coal to move, 
If you have turnip or radish buried in the earth, not that it's actually growing there, it's just you buried it there to preserve it. Some leaves sticking out. You can pick them up on Shabbos out of the earth by their leaves. Even though you're going to end up moving some of the earth, which is Muktza. If, however, you had a piece of loaf of bread or a baby on top of, excuse me, agave heaven on a stone, agave crater on a beam, you should not move this, the uh, stone or the beam and say, well, I'm just moving because I want to move the bread or I want to move the baby. That's not allowed, with, with rare exceptions. And same thing applies in all situations. Test Zion. A person allowed to carry his son, who the urine to be carried by his father, um, uh, even the even and there's a, even though there's a stone in his hand, and you're gonna end up carrying the stone. So again, you're allowed to move the child who's not muktzah, even though it's gonna end up moving a stone, which is muktzah as well. The Ram Dafka says that he has gaguim for him, yearnings for his father, because uh, if it could affect the child's uh, health or uh, whether it's physical health or mental health over here. Um, that's why it's allowed to pick up the, 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 the child, even though he has a stone in his hand. If there's no necessity that the child, you, you want to pick your child up just because you want to spend time with him, that's more questionable. So, Dino, however, you may not pick up the child if he has a coin in his hand. Because if the stone falls, the father may actually pick up the coin because it's valuable. If you have a basket with a hole, and this, there's the, the hole has been closed up with a stone. You're allowed to move the basket because the stone becomes like part of the wall of the um, basket. So it's considered part of the basket. If the basket was full of fruit, and the stone is among the fruits. So if you want to, you know, you have a, a basket full of fruit and there's a stone in there as well. So you want, if you move the basket, move the basket of fruit, you're gonna end up moving the stone. So you hug your pairs between them. If the fruits were moist, like grapes and berries, which if you spill the all, if you spill all them out with the stone and then put the berries back in the basket, the berries are gonna get ruined, and the grapes are gonna get ruined. So then you take the basket as it is, even though with the stone. If you shake the basket out, you turn for a pairs a buffer. The uh, dirt will dirty the pears. So Malcolm helps the gazu, and if if uh, dumping out all the fruits in order to put the fruits back in the basket without the stone, obviously you're gonna put, you obviously will not put the stone back in. That's going to cause the fruits to become dirty. That is half uh, a loss, and that's not they were not required to sustain a loss for the purposes of not doing muktzah. You design. If you have a barrel and you forgot it, this is stone. You forgot the stone on top of the barrel, and the shop has started. You want to open the barrel to take wine or honey, whatever's in there. So then, you tilt the barrel inside, the stone falls off. And then you can open the, open the barrel. You shouldn't move the barrel to the location um, before you tilt the stone off, because then you're moving the muktzah stone. If it was among other barrels, if you tilt it, you're going to have the barrel fall, the stone fall on another barrel, and might break it. Then you could bring it elsewhere. And then elsewhere, you tilt it on the side. If the stone falls. If you forget money on a pillow or on a bed, and and you need the bed, you need the pillow. You can shake the pillow or the or the uh, bed, and the coins fall off. However, if that's not going to help you because you need the location where the pillow is, you want to move it so you can sit down. If you shake, if you, if you shake the money off the pillow, 
now that place where you want to sit down and the pillow is not there, but the coins are there. So you can take the pillow with the coins and move it somewhere else. If, however, you intentionally left the money on the pillow, you put the coin on the, the, the stone on the barrel. Then you're not allowed to move them. Even if somehow the coin or stone get taken away. Let's say a guy comes along and steals the money. Because before Shabbos comes, the barrel or the, or the pillow have become a basis, a base for something which is forbidden. And just like coins are mukhtah on Shabbos and stones are mukhtah, anything on which you deliberately had them resting when Shabbos began is also mukhtah like them as well. The whole Shabbos, even if the corner stone leaves or is taken away. Yudchas. Ha'evan shebakirua. A stone that is placed in an earthenware bucket and as a weight. So you put the bucket on a rope into the well. It go, you know, it's a plastic bucket. It floats, let's say, and you, so the stone makes it heavy. So it goes down and it fills with water. And then you can bring it back up. Now it's full of water. So even modeling above it, my fellas, if you can fill the water up with the stone and the stone doesn't fall out, it's like a, a supplement, a part of the bucket. You're allowed to fill with it because it's not It's part of the keli. If not, you may not fill with it. A garment that is hanging on a reed, it may be slipped off the reed. So if it's the reed is like a, like a device that's a crude kind of hook or a hanger, it's mukta. And um, uh, it wasn't nothing was done to the reed to make it into a hanger, so it's still mukta. It wasn't fashioned to be a hanger. So you have to slip the item off, the coat of the shirt, off the reed, you can't uh, actually uh, try to touch the touch the reed to move it on purpose. You just you do your best not to move it. You slip off the shirt, and that's what you do. Good tests. Produce or fruits that are forbidden to eat. For example, produce that had not had miser taken from it. Even if the obligation to take miser is only midarbanon. Or for example, you have miser which is the uh, after you take truma, give that to the kain, which is two percent of the of of the of the of the crop goes to the kain. That's truma. Then you take ten percent of whatever's remaining, give that to the levi. That's called maserishin. And the levi from that ten percent you give him, he has to take ten percent of his part, give that to the kain. So the levi did not do that, and that may not be eaten on Shabbos because it may it may not be eaten period therefore it has no value no purpose for on Shabbos you can't you can't eat it so it's just it's purposeless which means it's mukta or truma tamea or you have truma that was given to the kain but it became tummy that's not allowed to be eaten either by anybody even a kain uh, because it's tummy it's truma tamea a maestro sheni or mehektish like you have maestro sheni which is the sec- the second ten percent you take from the from the uh, crop and that must be brought to Yishlaim eaten over there so if you're outside of Yishlaim it has no purpose you can't eat it. Or you have uh, sanctified food that may not be eaten, obviously, it belongs to the Vesemigdash, and you did not redeem it. Also, you may not move them because they are mukta. The Mai, which is uh, food that produce that you got from somebody who you can't rely you can't rely on to believe him when he says he took Maiser. It's called the Mai. So, since poor people are allowed to eat it, because the Chachamim required us to take Maiser a second time, just in case the first time never happened. But that requirement is 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 waived for the need of poor people. That have been redeemed, even though you, when you redeem it, you have to give a fifth. So it's $100, you have to give 125 Not 120 $125. So 25 is a fifth of 125 In terror language, when you say Chemish, it means a fifth of the entire matter, which we would call a quarter. 
So you did not give that extra amount in terms of redeeming it, but since you did redeem it, giving its basic value of $100, it may be moved, because it may be eaten, uh, even though you did not give the fifth yet. Elsewhere, the Ramam questions whether or not you can eat it without having paid the fifth, but in this case, it's clear he holds you may eat it, and therefore it's not Muktan Shabbos. Metal Yisrael Truma, Yisrael, a non Kayan may move Truma, Afpish and Relay, even though he can't eat it, because someone else can eat it, a Kayan can eat it. Metal Truma, Tamei, Matahida, Machulin, Truma, which is Tamei, which may, of course, may not, may not be eaten by anybody. If it's in the basket together, together with Truma, which is Tahar, which can be eaten by a Kayan, or Yemachulin, or with just regular produce, which of course anyone can eat, if they're in the same basket, you can move them together, or in the same vessel. When the pure, uh, truma or the regular produce which may be eaten was below and we're talking about produce that if you pour it out like berries or grapes it would get dirty on the ground so therefore if you pour it all out in order to get to the if you pour out you get, the, the top layer is mukta if you, if you pour all the grapes out to get to the bottom grapes which are allowed to be eaten uh, then all the grapes can become dirty. So if you shake them out, they get lost. But if I were talking about nuts or almonds and the like, which if you pour them on the ground, they have shells, they don't get ruined. So then in that case, you pour out the you you pour out the vessel, and then you take the ones which are pure or mundane, which are allowed to be eaten, the ones that are tame, you leave those on the ground. You put the pure ones back in the uh, in the basket, and um, you uh, uh, you take those and you eat them, and this way you don't have to move the muktzah uh, ones. Uh, this time we're talking about a case of here where you, you you can tell the difference between what's what's tummy and what's tahar. Obviously, if you need the location of the kli, and therefore if you pull out the if you pour out the nuts over there, and you're gonna have in that location if you want to sit down, you have now a bunch of almonds. So whether the pure ones was on top, on the bottom, in that case take all the entire thing somewhere else, and that's okay because you have no choice. A row of stones. The person thought about sitting on them before Shabbos started. If he uh, prepares them by moving them, by doing something uh, physical, not just mental, uh, to sit on them. You may sit on them on Shabbos, even though you're going to probably move them. If you did not do that, also it's forbidden. If you have uh, branches of a date palm, that are uh, he gathered them for the purposes of firewood. And before Shabbos started, you change your mind to sit on them. You're allowed to move them on Shabbos, even though you didn't do any deed, you just mentally designated them to be sitting on. That's okay. If you actually sat on them before Shabbos started, again, the fact you sat on them once makes them uh, possible to be sat on, and therefore you're allowed to move them. In the, row, in the case of the row of stones, since it's just a rare thing, to uh, change your mind to sit on them, apparently. That's why you have to do a physical deed to designate them as non-mukta, uh, as an as a option of sitting on them, uh, even though you, you might move them. Since palm uh, branches, apparently, are more common to sit on, so then even though, you, so since you, even though you gathered them, you gathered them for firewood, that makes a mukta. But once you change your mind to use them for something which they're normally used for, somewhat commonly, uh, namely to sit on, that's a, that, that is sufficient. It's not a radical change. Therefore, a physical deed is unnecessary. Mental designation is enough. Halacha of base. Hakash shalamita. Straw which is on a person's bed. You may not move with your hand because it's a mukta since straw is usually used for firewood. Uh, it's considered a mukta unless you, unless you say otherwise. 
uh, you may move with your body. You can lie on it, even though that you lying on it will cause it to move. If it's uh, the animal fodder, uh, animal food, then in that case, the shua may be moved. That's considered to be an exception. If there was on the pillar on a sheet, you had the uh, you had the straw. So they are the same thing. But now the you may move it with your hand. Because, excuse me, I made a mistake. If you covered, uh, if you covered the straw with a pillow or a sheet, so that's like designating the straw as something upon which you're going to lie on as like a mattress. Then you can move with your hand. It's not mukta. It's being designated as a mattress or a keli. Because it's like you sat on it before Shabbos started, designating it as a mattress. Even though you didn't sit on it, you put a mat, you put a sheet on it. That's sufficient. Someone who brings in a bucket of dirt into his house and then he dumps the bucket out on the ground. If he designates a special corner, a special part of his house to store this a pile of dirt before Shabbos, he may move it on Shabbos because not it's considered like designated for a purpose to cover. It was used. It was needed to cover feces or something else of that nature, any other kind of waste. So the uh, with this dirt, you can do any, whatever necessity you need to do. On Shabbos, that's fine. Um, um, uh, so, however, if you don't do that, then, then the pile of dirt is just considered an extension of the floor, and it is mukta, like all dirt. Chaf Gimel. It's not, you're not allowed to uh, uh, void a utensil from use. Because that's similar to destroying it. If you take something and make it... Uh, Irrelevant and void its possibility of using it. It's a. Uh, it's it resembles demolishing and demolishing is a malacha. Kate, for example, If you have a have a lamp on Shabbos burning, and there's oil that is uh, dripping off the, off the lamp, so that oil is muktzah. So of course, you cannot touch it on Shabbos, because any usage of the oil is like um, extinguishing. So the the oil is muktzah. If the oil drips into a bowl, the bowl now becomes muktzah. You can't move the bowl because there's this mukta oil in it. The oil is not allowed to be used. When it falls to the vessel, the vessel, the bowl, that was previously allowed to be used, now becomes forbidden to be used. Similar to all situations. Uh, therefore, you may not put a keli, a bowl of sorts, under a chicken to receive the egg that it lays, because an egg is, that a chicken lays on Shabbos is mukta. You may cover it with a vessel. You also may use a keli as a cover to cover something which may not be moved. Because you do not nullify its use in that sense. If you want, you can take it because you're not moving the, the thing that, that it's covering. You're allowed to put a receptacle under dripping water. If the keli becomes full, you can pour it out and uh, put it back. Let it, let it get full again. No, you don't have to do. You don't have to hesitate. So the idea here is, is that uh, the rainwater it's collecting is not mukta because it can be used, as we'll see. Uh, the drip water is usable, if not for drinking, at least for bathing. If it's not usable, you, you can't use it for that even because it's just it's disgusting waters. A nice, you can't put the bowl there because it makes it muktzah. If you do put it excuse me, I made a mistake. You may move it with the water that is disgusting in it. Because 
so so the water may be moved. Uh, there's a certain there's a reason why there's a hetter to move it, even though the water is disgusting water, because um, something which is repulsive is something you're allowed to use move on Shabbos. If it's so repulsive that it makes you grossed out, then in order to not uh, uh, feel unpleasant feelings on Shabbos, you're allowed to move it. Gerev uh, Shalrei means a, uh, that's called a Gerev Shalrei, which means a chamber pot. So if there's a chamber pot, even though there's nothing you can do with the feces, you're allowed to move it because you don't want to have it in a place that's going to make you grossed out and uh, cringe. Now, if you put the water there to receive this, the, the keli which you're putting to receive this kind of dripping water, which is disgusting water, you're essentially making a Gerev Shalrei, a chamber pot. Uh, now you know you should not make one. If you do make one, uh, in this case you put the water the bullet to receive this disgusting water, then you're allowed to use you're allowed to move it. So another example may be a mouse trap. If a mouse gets caught in a trap on Shabbos, so a sticky trap and a regular trap, that's considered if something if that grosses you out, it may be moved on Shabbos. Even though you should not uh, uh, cause it to happen on Shabbos. A barrel containing wine that is tevel, which means the the truma was not separated from it. Maybe clear you can bring a keli, uh, a bowl, and put it under the barrel. Since um, you, if you if you would fix the barrel, if you, excuse me, since if if you even though the, this wine over here cannot be used on Shabbos because you can't drink it because it's it's tevel, the truma and meiser. Was not taken from a truma was not taken from it, so the chayyur therefore it's muktza. But if you were misakin, if you did take the truma, it would become fine. The misukan is considered corrected; it's 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 fixed. Hayyurkim misukan, it's like it's already been fixed. Therefore, it's not considered muktza. Nation the klitach sanel kabel the tezis. You allowed to put a bowl under a candle to receive the uh, these little sparks, ash that falls from it. They don't have any substance to, substance, substance to them. You can keep moving the vessel, just putting it there so it shouldn't burn holes in the tablecloth, for example. But it's not considered like to be anything inside of it substantial, like in the case of the oil, therefore it's allowed to be moved. A beam that broke, now it's hanging down from the ceiling. You may not support it from falling lower using a bed or a bench, uh, excuse me, using a bench or a... Uh, um, or bedpost, uh, unless they were wide. She calls unless you uh, this way. Whenever you want to move it, there's space to move them. So you're not going to be nullifying the bench or the bedpost from its usage. Even though this case is not really a matter of muktzah, it's that they're heavy, so they can't be the beam is heavy, so it can't you can no longer if if it's resting on the bed. You can't move the bed anymore. It's still considered to be nullifying the, the bed from its usage, not halachically, but practically, and therefore, it is forbidden. You're allowed to spread a mat over stones. Because you want to protect it from the heat, and the rainy season, because you want to protect the mat, excuse me, you want to protect, protect the stones. These are, let's say, for example, construction stones, which have to be in good shape, or the bees to protect them from the rain. You have beehives, and you you uh, harvest uh, honey. As long as you don't intend to trap the bees, because you can take it off whenever you want. You're allowed to uh, turn a basket upside down in front of chicks, so they can go up and down. Uh, you know, from the, using the basket as a step to wherever they have to go to their nest, for example. 
Again, we're talking about chicks that are mukta over here. Should they mutl tatl Because when the chicks go off the basket, they're not going to stay there forever. You can you can move it again. So you're not essentially nullifying its usage. You're not you're not halachically destroying it, so to speak. All situations where it's a temporary uh, uh, temporary nullification of its usage, it's allowed as long as it's not permanent for the whole shop. It's an animal falls into a pit, or to a water pit. If you can feed the animal in its place, you feed it at the And only afterwards take it out. We're talking about an animal that's mukta. If not, then because the animal cannot be fed, so there's a heter to bring cushions and blankets and put it in the pit. Also, also if the animal ends up being able to go out, then uh, it can go out. Even though you're nullifying the uh, the the you're putting the you're throwing these uh, pillows into this wet pit into the, into, into the water they're going to come wet they can't be used and so you know they'll find them from usage because of the importance of not having the animal be in pain not be the, not be the whole Shabbos in the pit and without food the chaman lifted the gazera but also the halus you now lift it with your hand. Similarly, you're not allowed to lift up an animal or a bird in a, in a courtyard, but you can push them until they go into the courtyard. You're allowed to um, prod or support calves and ponies as they walk. With a chicken which ran away, you're not allowed to do that, to kind of like, you know, prod it to move. It'll, it'll um, try to escape from your hand. That's going to end up the possibility of tearing off its wing. You can push it, however, until it enters the chicken coop.